All right. Hello and welcome to Everything Acting Podcast. We come to you from the capital of the world and the worst place in the world to park, New York City. My name is Darby Worley. And I'm Roz Coleman. Join us as we inform, inspire, and demystify the actor's journey. Everybody say happy anniversary to Roz and Craig. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I love you all. (laughs) Love is great. 13 years you've been married in an artist marriage. Yeah. That's impressive. Let me say, at one point, like 10, at, at 10 years, in the middle of the night, we were having a disagreement, and then we got up and we started talking, went to the kitchen table and started talking. Wow. And I was realized, I was like, you know, we needed to talk. We hadn't talked in a really long time. And um, I was like, I've never been married 10 years before. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just realized, I was like, I have never been here. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm really excited. I um, I don't think I've told you about this project, but over the summer, I had an idea to sit down with all of my my dad and my mom and my dad's brothers and their wives and interview them separately about marriage and, you know, their thoughts about it. Because they've all been married. They've, it's been, you know, some of them have been married 25 years. Some have been. 50, you know, my, my parents are coming up on 50. So I wanted to talk to them about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting it together in like a, this American life kind of format. I Um, love that Darby. Yeah. So it'll be cool. Right. I need to get, I need to get my act together and like, um, and finish the edit, the interview. It's just like this podcast. The interviewing part is really fun for me and I hate doing the editing. Yeah. Um, and I have to figure out how to like, like, do I want to, tell one story at a time about one marriage at a time or do I want to talk about the themes that came up over and over and it's hard for me to figure it out like I've never done anything like this before so um but I think I think it's going to be neat I think it's going to be neat when it's done I can't wait to hear it I love the audio format I have all my students at NYU doing long form audio Mm. uh, in terms of sort of like a snap judgment where I'm making them put in sounds and stuff like that and really just give a pleasurable listening to the, to the yeah. person who's listening. And to really just, it's a whole nother realm of a way to get your story across and it's affordable and it's enjoyable. So I yeah. can't wait to hear it. I, I get yeah. so much out of audio. Yeah, and speaking of awesome audio, are you listening to Serial? Of course. <laughs> so do you think he did it? Where, as of right now, as of right now, Serial has um, released eight episodes. If you don't know what Serial is, I, c- I can't imagine that you don't There's know. There's four more left. There's only four more left? Yes. Oh, There's four sh- left. Did they finish? Okay, so, so for those of you who don't know what Serial is, it's a, a new podcast from This American Life. And Sarah Koenig is um, diving deep into this one story about this kid, Adnan. He's not a kid anymore. He's in his mid-30s now. But he's been in prison um, for 15 years. Right? years. Um, yeah, for strangling his high school girlfriend. Um, but it was, I mean, the case is just, I, your husband I said on Facebook, he's like, I'm so pissed about the prosecution and the jury and, and the lawyer that I don't know if I can listen to this. And I was like, gut it out, man, gut it out. It's good. You need <laughs> to listen to this podcast. It's insane. It's the fastest podcast ever to hit 5 million downloads. And I'm excited about it for us just because I think it's going to be good for podcasting in general. Like people who have never listened to podcasts before are now realizing how great they are. It's like the resurgence of podcasts. It's like podcasts yeah. have been here all along, but people, it's like a whole new, I mean, we're, I got a whole bunch of followers on Twitter that said like, oh, this is a great podcaster. And I'm like, I've been here all along, guys. 
know. And like, we were one of the early ones. We were early, like leading edge. So I feel pretty cool about that. Um, I'm very proud of us. <laughs> I am very proud of us too. Um, so this week on the show, we have a young man named Jacob Berger, who is a Facebook friend of mine. And he's somebody who he kind of, he would pop up in my feed and get my attention because he does all these crazy side jobs to hustle, hustle, hustle. He's always hustling um, to find ways to make extra money while he is pursuing his acting career. And it's exciting because he's, he's actually at a place now where he's starting to get some really good jobs, but he's somebody who creates his own work. He's out there working every day. Like he just does not, like he is not messing around with this. And he comes from a background of um, some kind of business background. I can't, no, he's a, he was a social worker, which oh. is a really interesting, interesting job to have um, field to have come out of as an actor because you're studying human behavior all the time as a social worker. You know a lot of stories too. Yeah. Yeah. So for our topic today, I, it brought up, it brought to mind for me, like some of the worst jobs I've ever had. And I was wondering what's the worst job you've ever had? Me, Roz, the worst job I ever had was Jimboree. Oh. Jimboree is a gym for babies. Babies don't need to go to gym. Uh-uh. <laughs> no classes for babies. So you take your baby to this place, and it's really an infant. It's, you can't even walk. It's like a carry baby. And they sit there with the mom, and it's like organized play. And it is so boring. Okay, the only, I mean, I love my kid and kids related to me. That's it. I'm not really like a kid person. So <laughs> that's a terrible job for you. How did you end up in that job? Because I couldn't get a waitressing job. I couldn't get any jobs when I moved to New York. That's why I had to act. And guess what? What? The Itch Bay fired me. <gasps> for what? Because she said the mothers didn't like my singing. Didn't like your singing? You freaking twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh, ouch. Ouch. That's awful. I, I know. Was, that's awful. I worked in the baby room at a nursing, uh, not a nursing home, uh, the baby room at a nursery, mm-hmm. at, a, at a daycare center for yeah. a couple of summers. I actually really liked it, but... Um, but we had, I had a ton of babies to like deal with. I would have, it was like seven to one was the ratio of babies to caregivers. And so I I was quite busy. That job wasn't the worst job I've ever had. The worst job I've ever had was working in the laundry room at a nursing home. Like take a, take a moment to think about the kind of laundry that comes out of a nursing home. Like it was a lot of pee and that's not baby pee. I prefer baby pee copious amounts of pee and other stuff. I mean, just like, and I, and I was only like 16 years old and I was just like, kind of like fresh faced and I didn't really know anything yet. And I used to go down there with my boom box and play Amy Graham music back when she was a Christian rock singer. <laughs> so I was, I was going through a summer of like being a Christian or whatever. I don't know. Um, so, and I, the day it, it finally, and it was, it was summer in Minnesota and they didn't have any air conditioning in this nursing home. So like one thing, like, people were dropping like flies. Like it was like 95 degrees and we were losing residents, but it was hot. It was just awful. Everything about it was awful. And one day I was down there and I, this was the eighties and I had those really big, long fake fingernails, you know, that we used to all get like, um, the acrylics or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So folding the, 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 
sheets and stuff was very hard on my nails and I broke a nail and I just fucking lost my mind. I dropped, I dropped to the floor on my knees. I put my head on my forearm and I just started crying. I was in there in my uniform. I had like a, a white, like pool skirt kind of thing with a blue shirt. It was awful. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> No, that's not you. That's not, that's not you. That's not your style. No, not for me. Not for me. But it was because it was the, it was the way I could make the most money as a teenager. Like I didn't want to go work at McDonald's for $5 an hour when they were paying 15 at the nursing home at 15 in 1984. Like that was that's a ton. That was great money. So anyway, Jacob Berger is somebody who you would never find doing laundry in a nursing home, but he has had some crazy ass jobs. Okay. uh, Without further ado, let's move on to that. Uh, Stay with us. All right. So joining me now is actor and hustler, Jacob (laughs) Berger. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I have been tempted to contact you for a while because it seemed like every time you popped up in my Facebook feed, you were working on some crazy like comedy bit or <laughs> are, are hustling some kind of yeah. like weird medical study or something. Yeah, on. I do it all. You know, <laughs> I have a lot of different things going on. You know, I always keep it very busy. I think you know to be an actor in this business, you got to have that hustler spirit. You got the fire in the belly, and that includes you know earning money in ways that are like, you know, very original. I, I could I can never see myself in a nine to five situation again in an office or in a yeah. bartending. Like that's just not my spiel. So, you know, yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. your crazy jobs later. Yes. But, for, yeah. but um, t- remind me, how, I don't even remember how we became Facebook friends. Do you? I, I think maybe it was just mutual friends or something like yeah. that. And I added you, I believe. I, I don't yeah. quite, I don't I, quite I, I meant to, I meant to go look it up. The, yeah. and do that see French right. to see how we met. I, right. I always, after you'd stop popping up in my yeah. feed, I always assumed that you were a listener to this show, but you didn't know about this show. <laughs> no, no, I didn't know about about it, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's. I'd like to start at the beginning. So, yes. tell me, when did you discover, or that you were, or decide to be an actor? Well, let's start out. I'm born and raised in the Bronx here in New York City. I'm 29. Uh, I started out young, sort of doing theater. I was involved with this uh, place called Tada Children's Theater Company. It's a pretty well-known children's theater company. So I did that when I was very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went to this camp, used dance, performing arts. So you know, a lot of musical theater kind of stuff. You know. Um, when it came time to high school, I auditioned for uh, LaGuardia for mm-hmm. drama and for um, vocal. I got in for vocal, but I also got into Bronx Science, which is a very prestigious high school here in New York City, so I yeah. decided to do that. Instead, I sort of left performing arts behind for many years. Then what happened was I got my master's in social work. I was following the path of my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both social workers as well. went to Columbia, worked in the field as a substance abuse counselor for a couple of years. I got laid off in December 2010. I just... It wasn't working out for whatever reason. So, you know, at that point, I'm playing unemployment, and I start doing these Craigslist things, like finding weird jobs, focus groups, whatever. And next thing I know, I found a job doing a party MC work for kids' parties, like, you know, for, like, birthday parties and bat mitzvahs and stuff. So that was, like, February 2011. And that was sort of my first introduction back into sort of performing every weekend and being on stage and, you know, that sort of thing. And then in the summer, I basically created this comedy rap video just for fun. It, was, it wasn't it was with any intention of doing anything where it was just like, I like rap, hip-hop's a very big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I did this this song called I'm a Jew, where I rap about being a New York City Jew. And it ended up going somewhat viral in the city, and um, I got a really great response off of that. And 
that was sort of where I started. And then right off the back of that, I um, was recruited to be a test subject for a workout DVD program called Cardio Karate, where I lost 44 pounds in 60 days. It was like okay. a national infomercial. And they paid me. And then once I finished that, that was when I sort of made the firm decision to enter show business. Because I was like, if I could lose 44 pounds in 60 days, I could do anything. Was Do you remember a guy named Mike Whitney being on that? Yes, show? I know yeah. Mike. Yeah, how do you know Mike? Mike and I worked together on Wake Up World, which was a comedy thing that I was doing back um, circa no 2008. No kidding. Yeah. Well, he won the thing. I believe he won. Oh, he like, won? He, well, he, he had the most, like, so he won a trip to Bahamas or something like that. Oh, okay. I think he's actually a bartender. He's a bartender around, around down here. on Iggy's. Right, yes. He, Iggy's, um, Iggy's, that's right. on... on um, Orchard Street, and he also works at 2X, which is at Second and Second. Small world. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it is, it is. The New York comedy scene, I think, is very mm -hmm. small. You certainly... Um, so how did you... Look, go back to this video. How did you know how to make a video? Well, like, I had, we had... Me and my friends, we had made, always made, like, rap videos for fun, like, in college and stuff like that. You know, a bunch of upper-middle-class Jewish kids, you know, all the hip-hop and stuff. We'd make them for fun, whatever. We always were rapping. Yeah. And this thing, there's a song called I'm a Boss out in that summer from this guy named Meek Mill, and it was very catchy. And I was just like, I'm a boss. I'm a Jew. And I just wrote this song in literally like a day, recorded yeah. it. Uh, my friend, who he had just a Canon 5D camera. It was very bare bones, like no budget. Like we just shot it. I just... I had visualized every shot I wanted, and it was just very creative, and it just sort of got legs of its own, and really just took off from there. Yeah. Did yeah. you get any pushback? Because I, I watched, I didn't, I didn't yeah. watch the whole thing, but I saw there's some stuff about money, about right. Jews and money in there. Did, oh, you, did well, you get any well, pushback? Well, it's funny. Well, it's the Riverdale Press, which is the town I'm from, and uh, up in the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, they did a whole uh, expo on me. They took pictures. They did an article about me. So I was like a local celebrity for like a couple months. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the temple was very happy because the temple that we shot it at is the temple I grew up going to yeah. so when we showed up the video i didn't like i just walked in there and like the lady's like what are you guys doing here i'm like oh i'm just doing this thing like, i totally like, kind of like was just like whatever and like so i recorded and then like a rabbi like, reached out to me but you know you can't <laughs> win them all but i think jews we have a very long history of self-deprecating humor sure. and, yeah. you know it, it's all in jest you know it's nothing uh, malicious or anything like that yeah, yeah yeah um yeah i did a short film and we shot uh, what's the I'm, John, I'm having a brain fart now what's the neighborhood in Brooklyn where all the Williamsburg um, yeah, so, yeah so we were out in yeah. East Williamsburg or wherever right. and I think we were shooting on a Friday afternoon oh they we, were not happy they about were not that. having it they were not having it they didn't it. start throwing rocks or anything they didn't throw rocks at okay. us but like if, if their eyeballs were like rocks it was, yeah. we were getting oh you vey yeah <laughs> say the least they were not happy with us anyway yeah. um, so so then you started working how did you like what? Tell me about those early days when you when you just you decided that you were going to go back into acting. Yeah, what did well, you do then? Well, what, what was it was it was interesting. Right after I did the I'm a Jew video, I found um, through Craigslist, I, I did my first TV job, which was a reenactment show. I think every actor in New York I City has one. done a reenactment show, you know, at some point. <laughs> so I did this show called Scorned Love Kills, and it was my first time like on a TV set. And I was playing this guy who's like a CD like strip club DJ. And he gets seduced by the stripper and. I had a sex scene and a murder, and I'm like, this is amazing. I'm getting paid to, to, be able to make out with this beautiful woman. Like, this is amazing. Um, so that was sort of my first taste, and, you know, I started doing, like, a little background work to sort of get, you know, the feel of what it's like to be on sets and everything like that. Yeah. And then I was just continually trying to reach out to people, creating our own content, because I think in this day and age, it's easier than ever to create your own content, you know, so, and YouTube yeah. gives a place to spread it out. 
Yeah, so you guys can't see Jacob because this is radio, but he, I would, if I were to compare him to a celebrity, I would pick like a Vince Vaughn, Michael Rappaport, like Michael Rappaport. I saw again Michael Rappaport. Yeah, in terms of, in terms of type, like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a New York Jew thing, like, like you know, or every guy that's young John C. Riley. <laughs> I got you know Jason Siegel. I get I get all those kinds of. Comparisons. I bet you get cast as cops. I bet you get cast as um, like kind of player guys. Like, yeah, you know? cops, bad guys. Um, recently, I found one of my niches racist white guy, which is funny because I'm not at all really <laughs> racist like that. But like I, because I uh, last year I booked a big uh, national commercial for Beats by Dre with Kevin Garnett, and in the spot like the, the director just had me. Jacob is going to give you two takes. Just say whatever you want. Like you know, improv it. Yeah. So that the line they end up using is. Um, can I, is is uh, language okay? Okay, so I, I basically yeah. he pulls up in the bus. You might remember the spot. He has the head, and I'm screaming. I'm like, "Get the hell out of my town, you big gorilla motherfucker!" I oh. like, and when people wrote blogs about the spot, they're like, "Yeah, this is a very vitriol actor who was saying this stuff." <laughs> and then recently, I booked. Uh, well, we'll get to it later. The yeah. HBO thing. I read for a racist neighbor as well. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not afraid to go there or whatever. You know, yeah. so. everybody has their nets. You know, yeah. I, get, I get fake newscasters. You get idiot racists. I can see newscaster <laughs> in you. But I've learned, you know, it's important, especially early on in your career, to sort of embrace, you know, your type. You have to yeah. know your brand. Like, you know, don't fight it. You know, and yeah. a lot how of, did you discover who you, which one you are? Which we always I, talk about that on the right. show. Right, I think know which one you are. Yeah, which I think, one do you think I you think, are? I think I just sort of like from experience, just sort of going in for auditioning for things and what I was booking seemed to be the cop stuff, the authoritative stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's when I sort of developed, you know, who I am as I, how to best market myself. So I sort of market myself as like a versatile, authoritative character actor who can also show vulnerability. Like that's sort of like my one liner when people ask mm-hmm. me like who I am, but that wasn't something I obviously knew in the beginning. You know, when I first started, I was clueless to the business. Yeah. yeah. So how did you learn about the business? Because because you strike me as somebody who really knows how to play the marketing game. Yeah. Well, you know, one so thing. How did I, you learn that? Well, I definitely. I think the most important thing, especially when you're starting out, is to be humble as an actor. I think I, I meet a lot of actors who are not at all humble. They think they're the shit. They think they know everything. And I've never entered this business like that. I, I've always looked to people that are more sort of above my level, so to speak, and mm-hmm. really ask them genuine questions and finding out about things and also. When I run into celebrities, like, you know, deep in the game, I sort of ask them, like, what kind of advice would you have for a young actor? Mm-hmm. So I always keep my ears open. It's just experience, I guess. Um, and also, I guess, being highly intelligent helps as well because, like, you know, I, you know, my master's in social work. I, yeah. My mom always said, Jay, you could be anything you wanted to be. Like, I just wish you had decided to be an actor before you spent $100,000 on your education, you bastard. <laughs> you know, so... It's funny, my acting teacher, when he, um, the first day of class, he said, he listed off a a bunch of things that you need to be a good actor, Mm -hmm. a good voice, and this, this, that, and the other, and he said, you notice one of the things I did not mention is is intelligence, Mm -hmm. and so do you ever feel like being kind of a brainiac, does it it ever get in your way? Yeah, I think, well, I think I know personally, like, I know myself, I've changed a lot as a man in the last three years since I've been in the business, I think, when I was a social worker, I would overanalyze things a lot, you know, it's that natural sort of therapist sort of plateau, and... Now I live my life so I let things roll off my back. I don't get caught up in drama. I, I let things just sort of let it be. It is what it is. You know, one door closes, another opens. Um, you know, and I faced rejection over the years of my life, and I think that that's an important skill to have. You gotta have thick skin in this business. I see too many of a lot of people I know just complain nonstop. Oh, I went for this thing, they haven't called me. I've gone to twenty auditions, I haven't booked anything. Like that's the wrong attitude to have in this business. Like if you can't handle rejection. You gotta get out the kitchen, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Talk a little bit about how your training as a social worker has informed your work as an actor, the study of human right. nature. Right. Like, I definitely think it's helped me tremendously because uh, a very important skill that all social workers need to have to be effective is empathy, you know, being the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So I think that sort of aspect has helped me tremendously when I when I dive into a character. Um, and at my second year in the business, I started training a lot. Like I, I had come into some money from some acting jobs. So I took class, I took a summer intensive at William Esper Studio, uh, a class awesome. at, uh, at Stella Adler. Who did you study with that? Um, with, oh, no, she's going to kill me. <laughs> uh, Shannon, Shannon okay. Convery. Okay. Um, so I took a class at Stella Adler, something at UCB, you know, something like a smorgasbord, you know, to sort of, and the one thing I learned most about is like acting is all about being like honest and present and truthful and like, you know, a lot of times you just bring yourself, you know, you can't, if you're not, you know, like, I always hear cast directors and directors talk about, like, sometimes, like, we know if you're the person that's right for the role the minute you walk in the room. Like, you know, you, the minute the first word comes out, you know, before you even do the reading. So that's something I've been working on a lot is just being very emotionally present, just being myself, not acting. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find, do you have representation? Like, how did you find yeah, that? Yeah, I have a, that, uh, Tell me about that road. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the, I did some Japanese, like, reenactment show. This was, like, back when I first started, back when the mm-hmm. Amaju video came out. And this girl I met was very nice. She was like, I want to, I'll introduce you to my manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been working um, with a Dreammaker Talent uh, for the last couple of years. Shout out to Dreammaker Talent. <laughs> and I recently got a couple other uh, freelance agencies as well. Um, one of them was through a referral. You know, a, a friend of mine who's booked stuff to them, so a referral went a long way. I think referrals are the way to really get in there. Mm-hmm. And then another agency called Maltese B Talent, just sort of cold contacted them uh, this year. Because now I'm at the point where I have reels i have a resume i have stuff you know i'm not just some starting out actor so i have something to really sell to them yeah yeah so you also like i'm looking at you i can't believe you're only 29 yeah you know so that that's a that's that's a real gift to have a look that you can play what what, what would you say your age i would say you know i i've been reading things like you don't want to say your age range is too big like you know you want to keep it like a five-year frame but i said i tend to go with like 27 to 34 because yeah. I've been getting called in for a lot of like young dad roles and stuff yeah. like which is so foreign to me because I, I have no desire to have children at this time in my life so it's kind of funny to me but um, that's sort of my general age range because um, like thing I, I used to say like 25 to 35 but when you put me up against someone who's a thir- real 35 year old uh, it's you're going to be able to or a real 25 year old yeah. you're going to tell a difference but I'm very excited because I personally I think men that we don't really get the best role to like in our 40s. Like I think the best characters for men are 40 to 60. So I'm really excited to see like the man I become. Because I think at the end of the day I feel like I'm only 30 20 to 30 percent of the actor I could be someday. Like I'm, I'm you know I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm not the most amazing actor in the world, but I will hustle my ass off and I'm yeah. very easy to work with. And I, I, it's all those tangible, untangible. Um, Factors that directors look for and cast directors look for that I think gets me the roles a lot of the time. Yeah. So talk about your experience as a background actor, and let me preface it by saying that we've yeah. talked about this a little bit on the show. Okay. I'm always like, should you do it? Should you not do it? Right. Like, what's your because right. so, because sometimes the industry does peg people right as background or absolutely absolutely. You know. So what I, was your experience? I like? think you know year one because I did join the union uh, beginning of 2012 because I had done a couple non-union BG jobs and everyone was like, Jake, you should join. They're about to merge. You can buy your way into after and boom boom so that's the route I did because I looked at BG as a way to earn my living you know yeah. so like I got core on like SVU and all these shows I have a full NYPD uniform so I work pretty regularly um, I think there's 
I always say there's like 5% of the people that I know are actually like me, like out there auditioning, training, creating their own material. A lot, it's so easy to get caught in that background cycle, mm-hmm. people making it out to be bigger than what it is. Um, I would say I'm at the point now, now that I booked uh, my first like big co-star, I feel like I'm entering a new state, so I'm starting to pull back now and I have to start scrambling for others, so hence why I'm doing more Craigslist hustling kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's... How, but what was your experience like on the set? How did you feel like they treated you? What was... T- like, I want people to understand right. what it's like to be a background worker. Yeah, like, yeah. what that, what that yeah. whole grind is like. Right. Well, it's definitely like a small community, especially on the unions. I mean, when you're non-union, I, I always tell non-union people that I meet on set, I'm like, do this a couple of times so you get the experience, but don't do this on the regular. I mean, I've met guys non-union for 10 years. Oh they're still. I'm like, you're getting paid like minimum. It's horrible. Like yeah. you're better off doing a, some other job. But when you're union, you know, you get health insurance, you get pension. Um, every production is different. You know, some productions really treat background like shit. Other ones, you know, once you, they get to know you, they're pretty cool, you know. And I've had some like amazing experiences. I mean... You have to take it as a learning experience. Like when I'm there, I mean, I look at it as like I'm attending a master class, especially if I'm in a scene and I'm like with like a well, like I'll give you an example. I was core on uh, The Wolf what of Wall Street. What does that mean, core? Uh, core means like you're, intro, like you're called in a lot. Like, you know, so like I'm core on SVU, which like every time they shoot in the precinct, they call me in like okay. to do BG. Okay. So I was core on uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I was one of the brokers. I'm actually on the poster, like Leonardo DiCaprio screaming I'm right there. It's really funny. But, you know, every day going there and watching Leo up close and personal, like, give these monologues, and, you know, it just taught me a lot about um, acting, like, you know, about taking beats and being the stillness and living in the moment, so it is what you make of it, and plus I've networked, I've met amazing people, um, you know, meet some ladies, too, you know, that have similar interests, so it's what you make of it, you know, but I meet far too many people that are just, you know, basically they're lifetime background actors, they, they talk a game, but they don't do anything, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So my my advice is always like do it a couple times, right. but try not to let the, let yourself settle into that. Don't lose sight of of, yeah. of the the main goal. You know, I have some friends that um, that basically they don't fight. Like this is my one friend Sheldon. Like he is like I'm just a background. I have no aspiration of being an actor. I just do this because I earn a living. I get to eat well every day on set. I earn a pension. I earn a healthcare, whatever. Yeah. And if that's that's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, but if you want to be an actor, too, working background can take up a lot of your time. Well, that's the thing, and that's the know? problem I'm having, because now that I've, this year is when I started getting the good auditions, mm-hmm. I would get into a situation where, like, okay, I'm booked for BG at 12 o'clock, and then my manager's calling me at 6 o'clock, like, hey, I got an audition for you tomorrow, I'm like, oh, like, yeah. and, like, I end up, like, having to, like, you know, juggle things, I, I go to set, and I'm like, oh, I'm sick, I gotta sign, you know, like, or sneak off, like, you know, it's like, yeah. it's really, so that's why I have to start pulling back from it, because I want to keep my, my schedule open, I also think it's a frame of mind a mentality like I just all my friends who have started to rise up like you know they're getting co-stars regularly they're starting to get guest stars and stuff like that Mm -hmm. they've basically left that world you know like so it's it's, at a certain point you do need to step back from it um but there's nothing wrong with it though you know as long as you don't make it out to be big don't go on Facebook like oh I'm working with so and so today no you did a cross like on the street like with somebody like give me a break like you know and people who list background on their IMDB or resume like Casting directors, people are professionals see right through they that. They totally see. They see it. right through that, and it makes you look silly, you know. And yeah. but sometimes, but it's hard because sometimes you're like, "Ooh, I want to pose it. Like this is so cool, like you know." But you you gotta just fight the urge and just you know keep your eye on the prize. Yeah. So let's talk about. Um, I don't know. You tell me. Do you want to talk about the HBO thing first, or do you want? Yeah, to talk about let's the talk about first? the HBO. Well, okay. well, I guess I, I have a couple of things that happened this year that were really big for me. Okay. So, um, middle of last year, I started working with a guy named Chris McGuire. Uh, he has a production called Schlepp Films, 
we met actually instead of doing background. We started mm-hmm. doing some comedy sketches together and stuff like that. And then we ended up doing this contest for Showtime uh, back in January. It was for the show Shameless, you know, William mm-hmm. H. Macy and everything. So we had a short film contest. So we did a short two-minute short film video where I play a Frank Gallagher type. And we used his son and his niece in it to play my kids. So it was decided by the cast of producers. We ended up winning first prize. We got $10,000. It was on Showtime.com. So that opened a lot of doors. Um, so we've been working. Open a lot of doors. How? Like what happened? Oh, after well, that? I think my manager uh, started taking me a little more seriously. Like, oh, this guy can, you know, let yeah. me let me push him a little harder. Um, you know, I was able to get two new agents sort of off of the strength of that. You know, because I was like, hey, look, like if the cast of a of an Emmy winning show can select me as the winner, maybe I got something here. So I think yeah. it, it gave validity to what I'm doing that I'm not just some random bozo. So. Um, that are opening doors. We've been working on a lot of spec competitions. We do a lot of like uh, comp- like competitive commercial stuff where they you know they basically buy you out to do commercials the and stuff like or yeah. yeah that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but uh, what ended up happening? So I started uh, getting some good auditions. You know some good co-star stuff. You know major episodic motion picture stuff. So I read recently for this uh, new HBO miniseries called Show Me a Hero. It's directed by Paul Haggis, the guy who won the mm-hmm. Oscar for Crash and mm-hmm. stars Oscar Isaac, Catherine Keener, whole laundry list of people. So I read for uh, casting director Alexa Fogel. You know, she's cast some of my favorite shows over the years, The Wire, True Detective. So I read for this one role, um, didn't hear anything for a couple weeks. Then all of a sudden my manager's like, Jacob, I got good news. They decided they're not going to cast you as a, as a racist neighbor. They're going to cast you as this police lieutenant. You'll have two days of work, da-da-da. It was such a validating moment. Oh, you know, yeah. It, was, it was just, I, I literally, like, fell to the ground in, like, tears, like, just because... You know, as an actor, especially when you start, you, you, you need that validation. You want to feel like everything you're sacrificing and doing is leading to something. So to have that moment was just tremendous in my life. So I shot a couple weeks ago. My scene was with Catherine Keener. She was so awesome, such a sweetheart, you know, and it was just, it was unreal. So since then, you know, I've got a couple more auditions and I'm just keeping at it. I'm actually going back to finish my role tomorrow, um, tomorrow afternoon up in Yonkers. Awesome. Okay, so now let's move on to the hustling part yes, of the hustle. your life. Your all your crazy side jobs, and, yes. and very often um, young actors will write to us on the show and say, "What's the best? What's the best like yeah. day job?" You have a, a ton of them. To yeah, it, it's you know, it, it's really um, there's a system to it. It's not just going on Craigslist and willy nilly picking things. I have a proven system that I'm develop that. I'm also developing into like a PowerPoint president. I want to start teaching a class, you know, so that could be a way I can earn some money, you know, teaching people, you know, you give a man a fish, he eats for a day, you <laughs> teach a man how to fish, he eats for life. So, because I always post stuff on my Facebook wall, yeah. but a lot of times I, I give it to my friends and they're not really sure how to, what to do with it. So I want to be able to teach something. So focus groups are a great thing. Basically, it's where, you know, you, you're asked by a company to come in and you're talking about some branding or like some type of product or advertisement you're giving your opinion they pay really good i just did one online the other day paid 200 bucks like to talk about like condiments like you know something <laughs> so random i mean i did one one time online where i said i was a black guy i did one for erectile dysfunction i was in a group of 60 year old men and they're like really jacob you have ed and i'm like yeah <laughs> so you're it's practicing like, your acting skills in these focus groups as well as yeah you, you know it's 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 stretch i always there's a kernel of truth i guess in what everything i say but you have to, like, there's a system to it. Like, one thing they'll always ask is, like, um, you know, do, do you or anyone in your household work for the following company, uh, any type of industries? And that's a disqualifier question, you know, where if right. you say yes to any of them, they're going to disqualify you. So you always have to say no, and I'll adjust my job accordingly to whatever I feel like the group is. And a lot of recruiters are sort of, like, a little 
that's not like they kind of lead you with the questions like sure. like so do you like Bacardi rum <laughs> I'm like yeah I love the stuff you know like so I mean I have a core group of people that I sort of do them with I always run into the same faces at things yeah. but you know you could be making good money doing this stuff um so do they pay, do they take taxes out of it? How does it work? Uh, well, if you make more than six hundred from a company, they'll give you ten ninety nine. Okay. But for the most part, you know, it's um, usually like Visa gift card kind of stuff. Oh, that's you know? cool. So yeah. you know, that's one thing, and then just sort of like finding weird. But one, there's always like red flags though, because there's a lot of scammers on Craigslist. You know, you gotta be really careful. I remember one time early on, I replied to one, and it was like, "We want to invite you in to come to. This. We're gonna take pictures of." Uh, we want to study the curvatures of the human body. You can bring a friend, uh, but you'll have your shirt off, and we're going to take pictures. It's at a facility. Da, da, da. So I'm like, this is a little like weird. This is like my six, my Craigslist sense started kicking in. So I Google the uh, email address, and it's beastmaster3 at gmail.com. So I Google it. First few things that come up are like S&M dungeon websites. Oh, so dear. if I had went, I probably would have been in a, in a hole in the basement putting the lotion on my skin or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's um, yeah. It's also I think especially I, for women, ladies. Yeah, need to be ladies super gotta careful. be careful. That's one thing. I mean, that's the hard thing. I think as a man, especially I'm a big guy. I'm six yeah. two. I don't look like a you know. I'm I'm hold my own. It's a little. I can go for the ones that are a little more shady, I guess, compared yeah. to a girl where it's like you know, there's a lot of all and there's a lot of weird. I mean, I've come across weird ads on Craigslist. I, I saw one one time. This guy was looking for a woman to come to his house. He wouldn't be home. He would leave the door unlocked. And there's a bathtub full of ramen, cooked ramen noodles. He wanted the girl to basically uh, lay in the bathtub for 30 minutes and then leave. And then, and then there would be money on the table and boom. And obviously the guy was going to like probably like drink it and do something masturbatory yeah, to it. But like, gross. I mean, it's something weird. I mean, you know, there's all types of weird stuff. I mean, I have a friend like there's always like foot fetish modeling stuff. I have a girl who actually, an old girl who did that sort of stuff. Yeah. And if you're okay with guys touching your feet, you know, you're making good money, you know, so... <laughs> You know, but there's, yeah, only at the price of your soul. Yeah, only at the price <laughs> of your soul, you know. Uh, what's the weirdest job you ever did? What, what, what's the weirdest? Oh, the weirdest. Man, there's so there's so many to to think of. Um, what, well, one that was really kind of funny was it was the year the Giants won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And this guy wanted to pay me and I brought my friend on board. So we, uh, to basically we were going to protest because um, – What's his face? Um, Harvey Weinstein was throwing a party like mm -hmm. after the Super Bowl for a bunch of people, and basically we were gonna crash the part, the the, the 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 lunch like outside, like protesting with signs like let the real like let the real Giants fans in, like you know something okay. like that. But and I go to this guy's office like near Penn Station, and, like it was like a. It didn't even look like it was off. It looked like he just like walked in there. There's like stuff everywhere. He looked like he was like all coked out. Something like, listen, I'm gonna need half the money up front. I told him like, because this isn't. So we had to, like put blue face paint on. We're out there like like let us in. Let, like me and like three other guys and like the celebrities are coming out like Michael Strahan, like Regis Philbin, like all these people and like. There's media, they're interviewing, like, why are you guys here? Like, we're here because we're the real fans, da, 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 like, going off. But what was the score? You know, on a little part of the sign, there was a Georgie Vodka symbol, so I wasn't sure if it was, like, a campaign. To, so you really don't know what the reason I don't was? even know. They were paying cash. That's all I cared about. <laughs> but the funniest part was that Harvey Weinstein comes walking out himself to, like, cue, he comes out with a tray of French fries and Giants hats, like, hey, guys, like, sorry, you can't come in, but I want to help you guys out. And I was like... And I like, I so I'm like, like, I was like, we I saw a broke character. I was like, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Weinstein. I, I, I hope to meet you again. You know, because I'm an actor. Like at the time, so I'm like, this is not the way I want to meet Harvey Weinstein. Like one of the biggest guys in the, in the show business is me with blue face paint on, like screaming, let us in. 
So that was like a weird one. You should have uh, slipped him your headshot. Yeah, no, <laughs> another one. People love this story. This guy paid me a hundred bucks one time to spy on his fiance at a, at a bachelorette party in a bar downtown, yeah. and it was just like, yeah, I, just, I got a bad feeling. I'll give you the money. Like you're just gonna like be there for two hours, keep eye on her, go hit on her, see what you know, bring me back the results and everything. So that was like, how a, did it go? Well, you know, we just had to make sure we had our story straight when she left my apartment the next day. You know? So, no, I kid, I kid. She, she, she was fine. She, she didn't do anything. But, you know, it, there's so many weird things, and it's like 90% of what's on Craigslist is bullshit. But, like, if you have that mind to sift through it, like, realistically, if you put in 15, 30 minutes a day, like, you could be making extra money every month. Well, that's awesome. Well, Jacob Berger, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find out about your um, seminar if they want to try it out? Yes. Is it going to be online? Or um, you- well, I'm debating. It's probably going to be the first round. It's going to be in class, probably at like a Ripley Greer kind of place. Yeah. But uh, everything about me, you can find at www.jacobbergeractor.com. That's Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R, not like the hamburger, like B-E-R-G-E-R. Um, and I always post my reels, my pictures, and any latest stuff. So I'll probably be posting about the class there as well. And, and Jacob I, is an excellent Facebook friend, so you should find him on Facebook. Yes, I will make sure to post on Darby's wall. I'm sure she'll help spread the word to get some uh, clients. And you two yeah. could be hustling in unconventional ways just like me. All right, Jacob, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, you Darby. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Everything Acting Podcast. Um, as always, don't forget you can support the show by leaving us a good review in iTunes, but most importantly, by buying our app, assuming that our app is going to be working again. We're going to discuss this afterwards. If you guys um, who subscribe to us through iTunes or through the app, you probably are noticing that you can only listen to the show right now on our website. We are working on that. Um, so if you, I, I feel, I kind of feel like I want to put a call out to listeners to find out how many of you are using the app on a regular basis and what it means to you, because the app has become quite expensive for us to maintain. Um, so Roz and I are going to, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but I'd also like to hear from you guys. Are you using it? Is, is it a value to you? Do you care about the app? Um, let us know. Roz, do you have anything you want to promote before we hang up? Oh, I want to promote, of course, actinginthedigitalage.com. That's my online class that I'm teaching. I am loving it. And I'm opening up for new people to join in January. So give that a thought. And I just booked an episode of Blue Bloods. Finally. Yay. So I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. So you guys go out there, have great auditions. Yeah, and let us hear from you. Like, go on our go on our Everything Acting podcast page and share your stories of your auditions, your triumphs, your challenges. Um, let's build that community a little bit better. I'd like to see more um, communication happening out there on the Everything Acting podcast page on Facebook. So go there, go do it, get going. We love you guys. Have a great week. Bye. <laughs>